Alrighty. So as I was um, preparing to share over the next uh, few weeks, I felt drawn to look at, so I probably never looked at a particular theme like this. I, I felt the Lord lead me to a specific location. Uh, and if you haven't guessed it by now, who can read that? Jericho. Jericho. And so um, Jericho was on the west bank of the Jordan River in ancient Israel. Uh, it's, it, it's in modern day Palestine, north of the Dead Sea. Uh, history would uh, have Jericho on a strategic trade route. And so there's north-south highway and east-west uh, trade route, intersection of trade and the bustling city of spice, colours, fabrics, um, sounds, aromas. You can imagine it was a, it's a vibrant city, uh, certainly in uh, ancient Israel. It's also, Jericho is, according uh, to my research, is likely one of the oldest civilised cities on the earth. Um, it dates back into ancient Israel. Uh, the first mention of it is obviously with, with Moses and the Exodus, uh, and it still exists today. So that's a large span of history that one city still remains occupied. Obviously, there was an ancient city that was rebuilt by King Herod, and then the modern city was probably about six miles further south. But the, the region, it is the eldest civilized uh, region uh, that's recorded. And so, um, other interesting fact, it is the lowest city in the world. It is, uh, it is uh, about uh, 750 metres below Jerusalem, so it's fairly low, uh, and it is uh, 250 metres below sea level, and so it exists on the, on the plains of the Dead Sea. So, interesting facts about Jericho. Now, if you're a church person, if you are a church person, you're likely familiar with the city of Jericho for a number of reasons. Who can, who can shout out to me some of the things you know Jericho for? So we have Joshua. What else do we hear? <coughs> Sorry, the walls. Anything else? <coughs> Marching around the walls. Veggie Tales. Alan remembers Joshua's big wall of Veggie Tales. Um, what else do you know Jericho for? Rahab. Rahab she was part of the Jericho story. Good Sorry? Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan story, yes, that was referencing to Jericho. When you think about the geography, of the story of Jesus saying uh, the man who's going from Jerusalem to Jericho, it's, a seven to, it's about a 25-kilometre distance between the two, uh, maybe 30 kilometres, and it's, it goes down fairly steep. So that's the geography of the parable Jesus was referencing. Any other thoughts, Jericho? Dates. Sorry? Dates. Dates. Oh, gates. Dates. It is dates. Okay. I've never heard of the dates of Jericho. Jericho dates. I know what they are. <laughs> I've just never heard of them. That's what I'm saying. Actually, you're right. It is known for the city of Palms, and so I'm assuming they'd be Palm Days. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Old Testament, we'll see. I've mentioned that. It's the first city conquered in the Promised Land. We've talked about Rahab sheltering two spies. It's likely the place of a school of prophets. So as you follow the story of Elisha in, in 2 Kings 2, I think it is, um, you find there's a school of prophets in Jericho, and it's the place where Elisha cleansed the water. And so uh, that's what happened in the Old Testament, Old Testament Jericho. New Testament, a few other things we've already mentioned. It's possibly, some commentators reckon, or it could be the reason why Jesus was tempted by the devil when he talks about taking to the high places in the wilderness. They say it could be uh, in the region of Jericho, uh, but that's, what, that's, that's a possibility. But we do know these other things. Jesus heals, there's two miracles that take place. One is blind Bartimaeus, 
uh, and the other is uh, two other men that were healed of uh, blindness. Uh, the story of Zacchaeus, uh, he was a very small man. Uh, he uh, was based in Jericho and the parable of the Good Samaritan. So, so Jericho does get some mention in Scripture. It was a significant city historically, uh, and certainly in the biblical narrative, we see Jericho has a prominence place. It's a place of conquest, conquest, a place of victory, a place of healing, a place of purification, a place of testing, and a place of salvation. So this morning, I just want to look at one account, one of those on the list, one account of Jericho. And over the next couple of weeks, I'll share some other accounts of what I feel why Jericho is significant for us today. The main character in the story of Jericho in the Old Testament, someone mentioned it before, is the story of Joshua. Uh, Joshua was the successor to Moses, who, who died before he crossed the Jordan River. Uh, they led the nation, Moses led the nation from Egypt, if you don't know the story, from Egypt to the Promised Land. Then they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years, and then under the leadership, then Moses died, and then under the leadership of Joshua, they crossed over the Jordan River. And uh, Joshua's role, and the whole book of Joshua is dedicated to this, is, uh, is conquest of uh, the Promised Land. And so the problem Joshua had, uh, before they could conquer the land, he had to conquer Jericho. It was the first city that he came upon. Before they could enter into all that God had for them, they had to deal with Jericho. Jericho was a problem. If you imagine a, a medieval castle with, a, with its big fortified walls, uh, you see Jericho had an advantage over the nation of Israel. It was a strategic advantage. It was a military advantage. And also it was a daunting sight. For, and so it created fear. Uh, as anyone looked at the walls of Jericho, they, were, uh, they felt intimidated by the walls. And so I can imagine Joshua, who was tasked with the job of, of taking on the city, I can imagine Joshua a little bit uncertain about what to do. He certainly had the manpower. He had about 40,000 men that he could use to fight a battle. That should be enough. Joshua had some long experience that he had learned and had some battles beforehand. And so he knew how to, how to win. He knew how to, do, uh, how to lead a nation into war. But he never dealt with a fortified city. In fact, of all the walled cities in Palestine, Jericho was probably the most invincible and intimidating. But Joshua, Joshua knew that the battle for Jericho needed to be won. If he was to receive all God had for him and walk into God's promise, he had to deal with Jericho. So I can imagine Joshua, as he's approaching this day, and I've got to deal with Jericho, I can imagine Joshua talking to God about, God, help me to know what to do. Give me a strategy on how I deal with Jericho. And so um, in uh, chapter 5, verse 13, we come across this story. When Joshua has an encounter with someone. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, we're assuming he's by himself. There's no reference to any other person with him that he knew. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you a friend or a foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am in your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. 
But we'll discover a few verses later uh, that it's not just the commander of the Lord's army. We actually discover that it was the Lord himself. Some, some commentators uh, would say this is an appearance of Jesus before he was incarnated uh, in, in, uh, in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem at that time. In fact, in the Old Testament, there is a, a reference to the incarnate, pre-incarnate, uh, this before Jesus, incarnate means when Jesus became man. And so uh, there's, there's reference to three times when it's possible that Jesus came before he came as a man. Uh, Abraham would meet, uh, if you run the story of some angels, and it's, it's reference that they could be a uh, representation of Jesus coming. Uh, Jacob would wrestle with a man, and uh, that's also considered this could be Jesus himself. Uh, and you know that if you know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they're in the middle of the fiery furnace, there was one that appeared with them like the Son of Man. And so uh, in this case, we find Joseph uh, encountering uh, likely Jesus. But he came as the commander of heaven. And I guess it's encouraging to know that whatever you're going through, that Jesus can come. Whatever situation you're facing, whether you're facing a fiery trial, Jesus can presence himself in your trial. Whether you're facing, a, a, in Abraham's case, an impossibility, Jesus can come in your impossibilities. Or whether you're facing an army or a city in front of you that seems impossible to conquer, Jesus can come and meet you where you're at. Jesus comes to us when we're at our worst or about feeling our least. In fact, the Apostle Paul would write to a church in Rome. He would say that while we were still sinners, Jesus came. While we are at our very worst, when we are at our very least, our most vulnerable, that Jesus would come for us. And so Joshua encounters uh, the Lord, the commander of heaven. And when he realizes who he had met, Joshua's response is to surrender. He falls down, he bows low before the Lord. Joshua knew when he came face to face with God that he needed to surrender. And if you read the verses that follow, which we're not going to do, that the Lord would give Joshua a strategy. The Lord would give Joshua a strategy. And all that Joshua was, Joshua was the leader. And the commander of Israel, Joshua, it didn't take long before Joshua knew his place before God. Joshua knew that when I come face to face with God, it doesn't matter what plans I've got, it doesn't matter what strategies I've got, when I come face to face with God, I need to surrender my plans, surrender my strategies, surrender my best ideas and come in second as God. Joshua knew that he was no longer first in command. Joshua understood that he is now second in command to God. <coughs> the Chinese uh, Bible teacher, Watchman Nee, he wrote this. He wrote, Not until we take the place of a servant can he take his place as Lord. Not until we can take the place of a servant can God, <coughs> God take his place as Lord. So the question I have for us is, is, is what about us? What Whose plans do we follow? Our plans or God's plans? What about our priorities, our budgets, our careers, our studies, our families? Do you ever wonder why you all of a sudden you find yourself in places of mess or confusion? And who's ever found in a place you, you all of a sudden things didn't work out the way you'd hoped? And, and you go, well, what's going on here? Sometimes 
sometimes it could be because we're not following God's plans. We're more interested in our ways. Perhaps we're so used to doing things our way that we don't have to acknowledge there's a God who wants to help us see things His way. So the Lord came to Joshua that day, not just to be His helper. This is important. God came to Joshua that day, not just to be His helper, although He was. The Lord came to Joshua to be His leader. See, your, your victory... It's not found by just having Jesus as your helper. But you're so good that He's with us. It's, it's wonderful. And, and whether it's, it's walking through health journeys or financial struggles or relational stuff, the Lord, the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our comforter. He comes beside us. That's a wonderful thing. But the Lord actually wants to be our leader. There's a difference there. Your victory will be found as we understand that when we come face to face with Jesus. His priority needs to become ours. In John, Jesus said that, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so sometimes we try to do things apart from God. We try to do things in our own strength, with our own intellect, with our own wisdom, or we're we, we trying to ask a hundred people what they think, and we're, we're trying to figure it out in the natural. Can I encourage you? Let's try God. No matter what your decision is, whether it's your studies or your careers or your ministries or your, or your church or what you're, what you're doing with your life, start with God. Because sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes I've got it wrong. My family know that. Um, only sometimes. But some, could it be that we just need to start with God? See, Joshua, was a, he was an experienced soldier. Moses had trained Joshua for leadership. Yet there's no guarantee of a success. Joshua could not rely on just his experience and his understanding. Jesus, uh, Joshua needed to come into the presence of God. Joshua needed fresh revelation. Joshua needed heaven's perspective. You probably know the scripture that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Sometimes we lean too much on our own understanding. And scripture reminds us, and the story of Joshua reminds us, let's trust in him. Let's trust in him. Ask for his revelation of what to do. And then be willing to surrender to what he's saying. I want to encourage you that whatever you're facing right now, whatever situation you're facing right now, God has something to say. And I'm, he's not saying you're an idiot. He's not saying you're a loser. He's not saying you're no good. God never says that. That's the lies of the enemy. That's the lies of ourselves putting ourselves down. God has something to say about your situation. He's got a strategy. He wants to be with you. He wants to surround you with his love and show you his grace and his compassion. And through his spirit, give you strength to get through what you're going through and give you a strategy to overcome and be victorious. Because he was overcome. He overcame and was victorious on the cross. He knows what it's like to face difficult times. Jesus wants to be more than our helper. Oh, Jesus, help me. And he will. Is Jesus lead me? That is what he's looking for. Jesus, be with me. And our responsibility is for us to give him 
that role of leadership. So let's go back to Jericho. In Joshua chapter 6, God gives Joshua the strategy how to deal with Jericho. Now, God's strategy was unusual. If you know the story of Jericho, it's an unusual strategy. It wouldn't be recorded in the great history books of military conquests. The, the, the strategies of the plays won't be recorded there because it was a little bit left field. It was a little bit out of the box. If you were, if you were a, an army general, or a, you'd probably think twice about the strategy. And so, in Joshua chapter 6 we read, The Lord said to Joshua, I have given Jericho its king and all its strong warriors. I've given you Jericho its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day. It's not going to a doctor and getting a prescription. March around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Joshua didn't seem to question this. I mean, you've just run into God himself, an angel of the Lord appearing in front of you. You're not going to question that. And so he would then go to his his, uh, leaders and explain it to his army, and they didn't seem to question it at all. They were simply prepared to do as Joshua commanded. Even in verse um, 10, Joshua's telling them, I want you, don't shout, don't even talk. Not a single word from any of you. Until I tell you to shout, then shout. And so it was a very bizarre plan to destroy the city walls. It was odd. But the people were prepared to obey. And so we, we come down in the passage and they do what they've been told. And in verse 20, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, this is on the last lap, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. This is an amazing story. The defeat of Jericho was the first of many victories that the Lord would give the Israelites under Joshua's leadership. But it was critical that they dealt with Jericho. Before they could enter into the rest of what God had for them, they had to deal with Jericho. And that's where I want to pause and sort of wrap up and end the message today. Because I felt there's people here this morning that are facing Jericho. That are facing your own walls. People who are, are facing situations that are so wide and tall and impossible. And you're feeling that you're never going to be able to get breakthrough or freedom. And you're feeling that you can never destroy the situation you're facing. My message for you, the message of the story this morning is that God is, God is available 24-7. He is accessible to us. And God has strategies for your situation. I would encourage you, our, our role is to take the time to listen to God's strategies. I'm going to get our, our team up, thanks, uh, Jeremy. But as we close, I want to take a few moments to have you think about some things. I want you to consider, what walls do you have? What are you facing right now? What walls need to come down? Maybe they're too hard. Maybe you've tried to to break through on some things that are too hard, too strong, too difficult, too complex, too painful. Maybe it's unforgiveness. 
Maybe someone did something to you, said something to you, and, and you just can't get it out of your heart. And it, and it eats you up on the inside. And you think, I'm never going to forgive them for that. That's a wall, friend. That's a barrier. And that's got a stronghold on you. And you're never going to walk in the freedom that God has for you while you've got that wall of unforgiveness in your life. Maybe it's a secret sin. Maybe it's a wall that keeps you hidden behind shame and guilt. Friend, that wall needs to go. It needs to be exposed in Jesus' name. And remember, He's got a strategy for you. You're not alone. Maybe it's pride. You know it. You, you know that. You know inside of you there's, there's things that rise up and, you, and maybe you're trying to deal with them. Maybe you're, you think that... Friend, I know you know that. I know you know your walls. I'm just giving some, trying to put some language around them. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's past disappointments. Maybe it's regrets, things you've done. Things you didn't do. And those walls of regret and disappointments are just uh, in front of you and, you and you can't move on because you've got this thing in front of you and it seems too hard, too difficult. <coughs> Maybe it's what people have said over you, what people have done to you. Maybe, maybe you don't like yourself. On the outside, you're, you're here and you're, and you're smiling, but on the inside, you're just unhappy. You're, you're, yeah, you hate yourself. These are some big walls, but they're very real for people. Maybe you feel never going to be good enough. Never going to pass the bar. You're, you're never going to be approved by God or others. Maybe you feel you're unlovable. Maybe because of that you're not allowing anyone to come close to you. Maybe you're short-fused and, and, and all of a sudden everything's confronted. What's the word? Confrontational. Confronting. Maybe you're in relational turmoil. Maybe your marriage or your family or a friendship or a situation. And you're on the inside. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to break this wall. I don't know how to walk in freedom. Maybe it's anger or fear or anxiety. Maybe it's disappointing others. Disappointing teachers or parents. Friends, what walls are you facing? And in a moment we're going to pray. But I also want to, and I just told us today that we're going to, we've got a worship night tonight. And one of the scriptures I'm going to read in a second is... Um, Let's just go down to our scripture verses. Thanks. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. But the walls that you have aren't people. They're a spiritual wall. They're, they're, they're blocking us. It says they're not flesh and blood enemies. But we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. We're fighting against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Friends, God wants us to walk into victory. God has a promised land in front of us, but we've got to deal with Jericho. And the next verse in, in Corinthians, Paul says, We are human. Give me a wave if you're human. I'm concerned for the rest of you. Okay. But we don't wage war as humans do. 
Joshua didn't wage war in the way that he could understand or the way that he could construct or strip. He waged wars in God's ways. And he used God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Friends, we have weapons of warfare. What are they? Well, that God's word. We've got the whole armor of God as well. That's right. We've got prayer. We've got worship. God gives us His Spirit. God gives us a community. We're not alone and we're not here to face the wall by ourselves. Friend, you've got to deal with Jericho. So I'm going to ask you all to stand with me this morning. What's your Jericho? What's holding you back from walking into the freedom and life and, 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 and blessing and walking in a place where you are, are, are free from captivity and brokenness? What's holding you back? What wall are you facing? Can you identify it? And you say, Mark, I've got a lot of walls. Who's got more than one wall? I'm sure all of you do. But hey, we're going to ask God to show us which wall He wants to break down this morning. And tonight we're going to build up level tonight. Uh, as well, we're going to see, I tell Joe and uh, Dave this morning, uh, tonight's going to be demolition night. We're going to come and we're going to keep destroying, pushing back the enemy. We're going to be believing that because praise is one of the weapons we have. Worship is one of the weapons we have. And we say to the world, I don't care how intimidating you are, who said the devil, I don't care what you say over me or declare over me. I'm standing in Jesus' name and I have a weapon that's more powerful than you, a weapon of prayer and worship and a word and a Holy Spirit that dwells inside of me. Hey, we are an army. And we need God's strategies. And so maybe you're here and you've been doing stuff by yourself and you're wondering why isn't it working? I've been trying. I've been failing. I, I don't know what to do. Hey, maybe, maybe we can ask God. So Father God, this morning, I pray that you would search our hearts. Lord, this, this message, Lord, I pray, and I know it's for all of us, show us the walls in our hearts. That, that, are, that are blocking us from receiving your goodness. That are holding us back from walking into the promise you have for us. The things that we've tried and failed. Lord, we look to you for strategy. We don't want to do it by ourselves anymore because that's worse and it hasn't worked. So Lord, we look to you for strategy. Just as I close, give me a little wave if you've got a wall that you would have demolished. Many, many walls. God can do that. You're not alone. Joshua came face to face with the Lord. And he surrendered to the Lord's leadership and the Lord's strategy. And when he followed God's plan, no matter how weird or odd it was, victory came. And so Lord, for those this morning that have raised their hand and said they're dealing with a wall... Lord, I pray that you would give them a strategy to deal with it. Not just a strategy. You've already given us the weapons of warfare. 
You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us your word. Lord, you've given us the language of prayer and the language of praise. And so, Lord, I pray that we'll be a church that demolishes the walls. That we'll be a people that walk in freedom. We don't want to be bound anymore. We don't want to be captured anymore. We don't want to be held captive anymore. And so, Jesus, this morning, I, I pray for strategy. I pray for wisdom. I pray for understanding. I pray for boldness. I pray for, for a shout that will arise. And everyone to see a wall break through this morning. Jesus, we praise you. Your name is victory, Lord. Your name is power, Lord. So we bless you this morning. Why don't you join me as we sing this song? Your name is victory. Thank you.